Good morning. All right, y'all ready to go? I am excited uh, this morning to be here. It's uh, I'm Jeremy Lindsay. I'm the pastor here, um, and I've been I've been out the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, um, and I'm back. And there's nothing like being home. Amen. Um, but while I was going, I got a couple things I want to share with you guys. Uh, one thing is there's a couple in our church that, that means uh, the world to me personally, but also to us. It's Sandra and, and Mark Mays. And those they may not know, but Miss Sandra was in a bad car accident. Um, she was in a bad car accident two weeks ago. And, uh, and so she's finally moved um, from, uh, from MCG, whatever the name of it is now, to Walter Rehabilitation Center. So she's being rehabilitated. But let me tell you, God's been good, right? He's, he saved her. She, she could have died. And she's got a lot of broken bones. Um, Mark, her husband, uh, has had some cancer removed, and he's fixing to go through chemo. So they're fixing to be going through a lot of uh, different struggles through the next six or eight months. And so we as a church are going to start loving on them, and we're going to do a, a, like a, an app called Meal Train. And so it's an opportunity for all of you in the church to sign up and you can take them food, you can love on them individually instead, of, so that we as a body can love on them. Amen? And so that'll be out soon. Check, check our uh, Facebook page, um, and we'll, we'll, um, we'll try to let you guys know as soon as possible. Okay? Um, and the other thing just left me. Oh, um, soon as soon as service is over, don't leave. I've got some instruction. I'm going to come back. I'm going to give you guys about where we're going next, okay, what we're going to do next as far as finding them Easter eggs. Y'all, all right, my little boy was jacked up this morning thinking about finding some Easter eggs. So let's pray for the service. I'm going to pray for Sandra, and then we'll move on. Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for being a God that hears us. We thank you, Lord, for being the one true God, and we thank you, Lord, for being the God from the creation, God, to the end. Well, we thank you, Father, for being a God that's merciful and, and a God that can be found. Your word says that those who seek you may find you. And God, I thank you so much for allowing me to find you. I thank you, Lord, for moving in our hearts. And God, we lift up Sandra and Mark to you, Father, and their family. God, we pray, Father, uh, that you would just, uh, God, you would wrap your arms around them and continue to help Sandra heal faster than doctors had expected. We pray, God, you continue to let her be the light to her nurses and her doctors as she shares how good you are. And God, we pray that you would help us as a church love on them. God, we pray for Mark. We pray, God, you would continue to, to help him heal and recover. We pray and rebuke this cancer will be gone in the name of Jesus and never to return. Father, we pray that you would just continue to help them through all this see you. God, help us as a church, Lord, today as we celebrate Palm Sunday. Talk about you coming into Jerusalem. Father, I pray today that you'd help us have our eyes fixed on you, our hearts ready to change whatever you prompt us to. And to God, that all of us in this room will be different when we leave here. And God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in, in Luke chapter 19. If you, if, if you have a Bible, please turn there. Um, we're going to start in verse 29. But before we read, I want to kind of give you a rundown of how things are going. So, so Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. Today, Sunday, is where he will make his descent down into Jerusalem to where seven days from the day in which, well, five days, really, Friday, which he is killed, he's tried and he's crucified, right? Friday, that's why he celebrate Good Friday. And then Sunday, in which we celebrate his resurrection. For, for the resurrection, we'll be in need for this. Amen? Resurrection, got Jesus resurrected from the dead. And so, so Sunday, Jesus comes into, the, into Jerusalem. Monday, he, clean, he goes in, he cleanses the temple. Tuesday, he goes and he has this, this controversy, these conversations with the Jerusalem leaders. Wednesday, he takes a little break, he has a little rest. Thursday, they start preparing for Passover. Friday, that's where he has the Last Supper with his disciples. Friday, he has the trial and the crucifixion, and he's killed. Saturday, his body lay rest in a tomb. And then Sunday, praise God, he is resurrected. 
And so, so that, that's kind of the lay down. And where we are right now in this text, in chapter 19, is where Jesus is making, he's fixing to make his preparation to head into Jerusalem. See, this whole time up until now, he's had his disciples, he's been proclaiming his goodness to the world around him. He's been making, man, what, what all has Jesus been doing? Jesus has been being this good shepherd. He's been healing the lame, right? He's been, those who've been sick, he's been healing. There's been just amazing things that's been happening. If you've walked alongside Jesus, you've had some mind-blowing experiences. You've seen him call Lazarus from the dead. Ooh, that make you, if that won't make you believe, nothing will, right? <coughs> he, said, he said all these things have, has happened. These people are following him. And he's been telling them that I'm the king. I'm coming. I'm coming to establish my reign. And the whole time, they're thinking he's coming to establish an earthly kingdom. He's coming to, to, to remove this bondage that, that we're in right now with the Roman government. He's coming to establish this king. And we're going, it's going to be like the good old days that mom and daddy talked about. It's going to be one of those times where, where we're going to rule and they're going to be under us. We're going to have prosperity. There's nothing going to make anybody rule. They had their minds fixed that Jesus was something else. And so in Luke chapter 19, it starts talking about Jesus preparing to go down, and we'll talk more about that in depth. But verse 29 says, As he approached Bethpage at Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. So those who went were sent ahead, and they found it just as they had been told. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus. And we'll stop there just a second. And so here you have Jesus telling them to go get this colt. Why did he go get a stallion, right? Why, why did he get this, I mean, this very impressive, because in those days, in those days, royalty rode, rode donkeys. So it was just another sign of telling the people, I'm going to go, I want you to go get this colt. I want you to bring it. I'm going to ride this colt. So when people, the Jewish people saw Jesus on this colt, automatically, automatically they would say, there's royalty coming. He's been telling us that he was what he was, but now he's riding it in. He's fixing to take over the kingdom, what they would be thinking, right? He gets, they get this coat. And I love the thing, it says this coat had never been ridden. And Jesus rides a coat that had never been ridden. I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to ride a horse that hadn't been broken? Watch the rodeo. Huh? That's what they call bronking, bronc riding. Huh? I tried to do it one time, and it failed miserably. If you ever have a family member that tells you, that, that horse is fine, you better watch him ride it first. Amen? <laughs> Sabrina, watch me, bulldog the the ground with my shoulder. But so Jesus gets on this horse, and what's the, why would they even put that in there? Why would they put that, that he's riding a horse that hadn't been ridden? Because it shows Jesus' authority not over mankind, but also over the whole entire world, that even a donkey would submit and let him ride him. The donkey realized his deity. The donkey realized who he was, and so he was riding this colt into town. So Jesus gets on this Cold. In verse 35, it says, They brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks down as the coat, or the, oh, on the coat, and they put Jesus on it. And as they went along, people spreading their cloaks on the road. When they came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. They said, Blessed. It's the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in the heavens and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, if I keep them quiet, the stones will cry out. 
You know, so Jesus is on this colt, and now they see him riding this colt. They see him riding this donkey, and they're like, he's the king, and they're so overwhelmed with joy of him coming. They're thinking he's coming to make this, this kingdom on earth to where they're, put, they're taking their shirts off, man, and they're laying them down. Because in those days, they didn't want royalty. Kings didn't, they didn't step on the same ground as common people did. So they were laying, cutting palm branches down and laying them down. And Jesus is riding this colt. See, this is the only time, one of the, this is the only time that Jesus ever allowed people to celebrate him. Every other time he would do a miracle and he'd tell them to be quiet. Don't tell anyone because my time has not come. And now he's letting them do this. And it's like, Jesus, why would you let them celebrate you? Because he understood his purpose. He understood that in seven days he was going to fix everybody's problem that chose to follow him. Amen? Because he submitted to God. And so as he's going through these motions, he's seeing these people cutting palm branches and laying them down so that not one hoof of that animal would touch the dirt. It's 20 miles, 20-something miles from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. That's a lot of palm branches. That's a lot of shirts. That's a lot of cloaks. That'd be a lot of people. Hurry, 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 don't let it. You know, they probably didn't tell him to slow down. Y'all with me? It was a lot of intentionality because they thought he was coming to make life easy. He's coming to make my life more prosperous. He's coming to make things easier for me. And the whole time he's giving them signs. The whole time Jesus is on this earth, he's giving them signs of who he really is. He's showing them that he is the Messiah. But see, what I love about this text, it shows the, the, the really the messed up and jacked up part of our hearts. Because he says they were praising him for the miracles they saw. See, we get excited when we see God doing stuff. It's evidence that God's doing things. But the minute God calls us to step out of our comfort zone, we're like, hold up. Huh? They were praising him because of what they saw. They were praising him of the miracles. How many of us have seen God do amazing things? We've seen God heal the sick. We've seen God heal people who've got cancer. We've seen God protect people who are in just crazy wrecks, and, and, and they come out fine. Right? We've seen things that God has done, and it testifies to his name. It points people to his deity. It points people to who he is. But yet, often, we are still looking at it with our own carnal eyes. We're looking at it from our own perspective. Oh, he did good. Look at all that. But then then the time it starts having to cost us something, we back away. Hold up. When Jesus isn't who we expect him to be, then then it's time to back away. See, the same people that were saying, Hosanna on the highest, praise Jesus, praise God, were the same people seven, five days later were screaming, crucify him. The same people. How can that be? How can that be? The people that were saying, praise the Lord, the same, then they, later they were saying, crucify him. How? How can that be? Because they totally missed who Jesus was. We celebrate Palm Sunday because that's when Jesus starts his, God's plan for his redemption of the world to begin. And that is amazing. He, he, he shows how he is the king of kings and the lord of lords, how he would lay down his life for those who would follow him. But it also is a, is a huge reminder of how we as people can miss it every time. We can have Jesus right in front of us and miss it. We can have him, why don't, so how do we think we can come to church every Sunday and we can be good little Christians and we, and we get it? Many of us spend our entire life following after a Jesus that we don't know personally. We come through the motions and we holler Hosanna. We holler praise God when good things happen. But when bad stuff happens, we run quick like and in a hurry. All you see is my elbows and the bottoms of our feet. We're trying to get away so fast. Because he's supposed to be there for the good stuff. But when we get in the bad, then it's quick gone. I don't know how many people say, my God wouldn't do things like that. He wouldn't allow bad stuff to happen. Bad things happen. But he's still a good God. And see, we got to understand, we've got to take our perspective out of our, our Americanness 
And we're looking at things through our own lens that, okay, now that I'm following Jesus, now that I'm going to have a good life, and I'm going to have plenty of money, and I'm going to have all kinds of friends. But, but then when those things don't start happening, we start thinking, well, maybe Jesus isn't who he says he is. Maybe he isn't worth following because I'm not getting the things I want to get. And Jesus didn't come to die so we need us to have a good life. He came so that we may have a life in him, so that we can have eternity with God. Jesus came not to make our lives easy, but to make our lives complete. Jesus came so that we would be people who are submitted to the authority of God. And because of that submission, we are growing in Christ's likeness. We are being made into the image of God because of the sacrifice Jesus made. Jesus came to fix our relationship with God so that we would know the living God. I sat down and talked to a Muslim this past week, and he didn't. We got to talking about his faith, and he says that he didn't know that God loved him. I was like, well, why do you pray five times a day? Why do you do the five pillars of Islam? Why do you do those things? That's what I have to do to go to heaven. So you're doing all these religious things, but you don't know God loves you? No. When will you know? When I die. What do you mean, when you die? Well, when I die, if I go into heaven, I'll know that God loves me. If I don't, I'll know that he don't. That is a horrible way to live. But, it's, but and that's, 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 a, that's so twisted and jacked up because God gives us his word, right? He shows us that he loves us because Jesus came. Who y'all ain't talking to me today. Y'all want me to start dancing? I will. Come on. I mean, Jesus came, church. And he came riding a donkey to show the world who he was. He died on the cross to prove to us who he really was. Why does God have to, why do we not allow him to, to, to really move in our hearts and change us? They lived a lifetime. Could you imagine the people, they're, they're walking with Jesus. They've seen him. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him bring Lazarus out the grave. And then they're trying to kill him because he's not going to make my life easy right now. And it's easy for us to throw shade on those people. Man, they were idiots. Not me. Not me. But church, I'm telling you, our American Christian view is so screwed up. We've made Jesus like McDonald's. We want to order what we want. And what we don't get, and we, and we, when we, we look in the bag and it ain't what we ordered, we get mad. He is not a have it your way God. It is one of those things, people, that we got to understand that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's not going to accept nobody that's not submitted their life to him. And you might be playing hopscotch with God. You might be in and out and in and out. And guess what's going on? You're not. If you're, if you're in and out, you've never barely been in. And Jesus is here. And he got these disciples, man. It's, a, it's an awesome pep rally, man. They're like, they like throwing it down. I mean, if I could jump up and click my heels together, I would. That's probably what they were doing. They were so jacked up. Here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. You would think Jesus would be filled with excitement, wouldn't you? He would be like, these are my boys. Listening at them. If they, if they just shut up, the rock's going to cry out. That'd be me. I have, 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 have a little strut in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, hear them. Now, you hear what they're saying? They're saying, I'm the king. I'm, hear them. Listen. Y'all, y'all, y'all haters been listening, been saying I wasn't what I said I was. But listen, they know. They know. But that wasn't how Jesus was. Verse 41 says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build up an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you onto the ground and you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. See, here's Jesus with this great entourage shouting and carrying on. And he's on the Mount of Olives and as he look, he's looking down at the whole entire city and all this is going on and Jesus begins to cry. Inside of him, there's a brokenness. 
that is deeper than any brokenness he's felt before. He cried when the people didn't understand about Lazarus. But it says he cried secretly. He wept. Only a few people saw, but now there's a multitude and they see him. Supposed to be a a strong man. Supposed to be a a king. And now, he's crying. Like a sixth grade little girl whose prom date counseled on her. You know what I'm saying? Like that was some legit crying and devastation. She's crying. he's, he's, He's broken as he looks at this city. Why? Why? When all this hype and and they're they're excited, right? We get jacked up when people are excited about Jesus. But if our hearts are in the wrong place, our excitement is misplaced. We're excited for what God's doing in the moment. But what about what he's doing tomorrow? We have all these people who profess Christ on Sunday morning and then they walk away from him and never come back when life gets hard. And I'm thinking Jesus is looking down at these people. I think, I think when, he, when he gets to this moment, he realizes that, that, that the end is near. And I think he's looking at, at these people and he's hearing all these voices. And I think in his mind's eye, he looks back for a moment. And he sees everything that he did to prove to these people that he was the king of kings. That he was God in the flesh. And that they should submit their lives to him. But he realized that they had missed it. Some of them had walked with him for three years and they had missed it. They had walked and they had slept right beside God in the flesh and they had missed it. That would break my heart too. He looks back and he's like, what in the world? They didn't embrace Christ. I think Jesus wept over them going through their religious motion. All these people... You had to understand they were going to Jerusalem to practice, to, to celebrate Passover. And as they were, all these people were going to this big religious festival to celebrate Passover when God looked over, passed over those who were chosen, right? And they, they didn't lose their firstborn. You don't understand where I'm at? Go back and read it. It's in Exodus, okay? We'll make you read your Bible. Amen. I think he's thinking about those people. They were, they were celebrating this religious festival, but yet their hearts were far from God. They were just going because that's what good Jews are supposed to do. Y'all with me? That's why we go to church, a lot of us, because that's what good Christians are supposed to do. And, but there's no heart in that. There's no desire. There's no, I don't want to come meet with God. I just want to do this, check this box, and keep going. I'm getting too real for you. Y'all good? All right, we got three people that's on fire. All right. I think also when you look at it, I think he's looking at the town, and I think he's, he's weeping for the people within this town. He's weeping for those people that were so, man, they were so religious that they thought that they were above everybody else. And they looked down their noses at those people, and they were so divided. They were so racist. They, were, they, were, they weren't bringing the kingdom of God. They were thinking, right, we, are, we are the kingdom of God. You've got to come up to us when in reality... God came down to us. Man, it's amazing. I think he wept over that. I think he was upset because of that. I think that, see, Jesus looked at the Jewish people, and he was like, they are so close, but they're so far away. They've got the law. They've got the law. They've got the word. They've got the law and the prophets, and the prophets point to Jesus coming. The, po- the prophets in Zechariah, the chapter 9, verse 9, talks about the, the, the Messiah coming in from Mount Olives and coming into Jerusalem riding the donkey. It can't be no plainer than that. But yet they are so fixated on him coming to relieve their pain, relieve their depravity and their poverty instead of changing their hearts. I think he's looking at them and saying, look, you've got all, even the law, You've got the written word of God, but yet you still don't follow me. How many of us is that? We've got God's word. We've got the entire word of God at our fingertips, but yet we won't submit and follow him. Will Jesus weep over us? We've got the word, but we want to rationalize the word. We want to say, what well, is it? Did, Jesus, did they really mean? Let me tell you something. I believe that this is God's word. And I believe this has all authority. And I believe that if whatever it says, I should take literal. 
And I believe that when it says something, I should do it. And, I, and this is God's word. And, and, and if we want to rationalize God's word, then you can argue with Satan when you get down there because you ain't going to make it to heaven. This is God's word. And we can't argue God's word. We can't try to make our way better. We can't say, well, God, can, 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 I, can I not do this and do this? If he says you shall not, then you shall not. He says you shall have, then you shall have. But you have got to have a life submitted to the word of God. And see, he was, he was broken because they had the word of God in front of them. They had the, everything pointing people to the prophet, pointing, prophets pointing them to Jesus. And here is Jesus giving them all the signs, giving them everything. It's like black and white. If, if, if they were stepping out of their section, they, should be, they could be able to see what was going on. But the problem is that they had, just like we have, we get so caught up in our world that we are like a horse with blinders on. You know why? My granddaddy, we used to plow. We used to plow a garden, like an 85-acre garden. There ain't no garden, right? I used to pick at him and say, well, you're using us for, for free labor. But we, we would, he, would put them, he would put them blinders on that mule. And I said, Papa, why are you putting them blinders on that mule? He said, son, if you don't put them on, that mule will get distracted. And instead of going where I want him to go, he'll go where he wants to go. So many of us have these blinders on. And we go in where we want to go, not where God wants us to go. We think that being a Christian means that I'm going to have a 10-bedroom house and a Maserati in the garage. We think that I'm going to have all these great things. We, our whole life, we work our life to a bone for money, for retirement. And we get to the end of our life and realize we've never done anything to advance the gospel. We do everything that we've ever done. We've made, great, we've made great friends, we've, all, we've, got, we've got great relationships, but hardly any of our friends know where we stand with the gospel. We've done all these superficial things that when they put onto the fire, they will burn up. Because nothing of those things are going to last. The only things you do for Christ is going to last. And our perspective is so jaded. What we do is, as Americans, is we say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, and we take the Bible, we take God's word, and we put it as a part of our life. And we just attach it to us, just like I got work attached to me. And I got, I got my family attached to me. I got all these different things attached to me. I'm still kind of the same person operating with the same mindset because guess what? When something gets burdensome, I just drop it. Jesus didn't come to be an accessory to our lives. He came to be our life. And when we are truly following Jesus, we're not operating out of our own intellect of how we've always operated. From the moment you start following Jesus, that's why he talks about renewing your mind. Amen? Everything we do comes out of the filter of God's word. Everything we do. People that have problems forgiving somebody of things they've done in the past are people that are not submitted to God. And I'm speaking some truth right now. And I know this is hard, but here's the reality. Either we in or we out. Jesus, Jesus wept bitterly over people that thought they had it all together and thought they had a great a, a view of God, but they didn't. They was all jacked up because they had it for their own comfort. See, when I look at God's word, I've got to be that. And if God says I have to submit my life to him, then I should. If God says I should give my money to the poor, then I should. If God says that I should walk away from things that are pulling me away from him, then I should. And we should trust God and have faith that if he's telling me to walk away from it, then he's going to provide for me. Amen? God's calling, church, I'm trying to tell you, God's calling us to be a generation of people that takes him literally. We're calling us to be a people that are walking in him. We're calling us to be people that aren't sitting on the side and saying, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to bless me, but we won't do anything for him. We want to jump out. We want to pull that. We want to put the, the parachute on. We want to jump out of the airplane because that ain't where we want to go, God. And if you're going to follow God, then you're going to say, God, your people's my people. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Wherever you lead, I'm going to follow. That's what his word says. And if we're not people who are operating out of the letting God change our view of life, change how we operate, change how we spend our money, change how we love our spouse, change on how we forgive, change on how we work, change on how we live. If the way we live has not changed, then we do not have a clear view of who Jesus is. And Jesus sat there and wept bitterly over people. We're living a lifestyle 
who were religious, who, who thought they had it all together, but they were far from God. And we celebrate Palm Sunday as Jesus comes in. But man, as I think about it, as I've been pr praying about this last three weeks, how many of us that God is weeping over our lives because we have fooled ourselves? We have fooled ourselves to thinking that I'm right with God because of this list of things that I do instead of my heart being turned over to him. I could give you a list of things that God did in my life. I could give you a list of things that when, when, when God really had my heart, my priorities started shifting and changing. One of, the greatest thing, one, of the, one of the greatest challenges when God called me to pastor this church, I was making over $100,000 a year working, leading this, leading this survey division. Had a company paid truck, company gas. Homeboy even paid for my hunting club dues. Hallelujah. I wish I had it now. Anyhow, had all those things. I had it made, church. God told me to plant this church. And it become to be a conflict. I couldn't have both. He said, look, if you'll just, I quit, if you'll, if you'll just stop that church stuff, I'll pay you more. Me and Sabrina sat down. I was like, our whole life has been fixated on this budget, on this thing. And God's called us. And Sabrina said, Jeremy, if God's called us to do it, he's sovereign over everything. And if he's called us to do this, and if we disobey, what could happen? I'm like, you're right. I'm out. I turned in my two weeks' notice, scared to death. I'm a pastor, right? I'm supposed to trust God, have faith when nobody else does, and walk on water. Amen? That's what people think I should do. I was scared. I didn't tell Sabrina I was scared because her security was in, is in me being confident, right? I'm like, God's got this whole time inside of me is a wreck. It was less than a week after I turned in my notice, had another surveyor call me and said, hey, brother, I want somebody to come alongside of me in the business and, and help me. Really? Yeah, I want you to come along. I, I want to do more ministry than work. I was like, I got you. I'm with you. I thought, well, I, ain't got any, I don't have any money really to put in. He said, I don't want that. You just come work and we'll sign the paperwork. And we became partners with no money down, no nothing, and we started it from scratch. God's got you if you put your priorities in line. And let me tell you what we do. We, we, we look at stories like that. We're like, oh, God took care of him financially. Let me tell you something. God would still be God if I went for broke, lost my house, and be living in a tent under the bridge. He'd still be God. Now, I might have been mad for a season, trying to figure out what I did wrong, what I, messed, what, what I didn't understand, but he's still God. We've got to get this perception that he's God. No matter what we do, what we say, he is God. And the thing is, is when we get things jacked up, most of the time it's because of our perspective is on our temporal things and not on his eternal things. So Jesus wept over these people. He cried his eyes out for these people as he was going into Jerusalem. I think he looked around him and he saw all this religious activity, but it accomplished very little. I'm going to say that again. I think he looked at all this religious activity, but it accomplished very little. And it broke his heart because the true power was in relationship with him. I don't know about you. I don't know if, you, I don't know if, this is, I don't know if that even say, says anything to you. But there was a time in my life in which I was going through all this religious motion, but wasn't seeing any fruit. God, I'm like, God, your word says that you make a tree good, it's, you're going, the fruit's going to be good. I was doing all these things. But the thing is, is I had the word. But I haven't truly submitted. Because he was telling me to pluck things out of my life. And I'm like, uh-uh. I want you to forgive that one. Nope. That ain't done nothing worthy of forgiveness. See, God's not going to bless you until you obey him. So many people, even churches today, if you look at the church today, it is powerless. It is powerless. Because the people in it are powerless. Because we're walking in all this religious motion and we're not abiding in Christ. We have these big great pep rallies and great worship and preaching. And people were jacked up on Sundays. And they go to work on Monday. And when they come home, they cuss their wife out. And they beat their youngins. And they act like a fool. You know what broke my heart the most? Is, is talking to one of my Muslim brothers. And we were talking about Christianity. 
And I said, what do you know about Christianity? He said, the only thing I know about Christianity is to be American means to be Christian. I was like, well, no, not really. I said, what do you know? He said, well, well what I see on TV, that, you are American, so that's Christianity. I was like, nah, bro. Nah, no, brother, that ain't it. Please don't be watching the Young and the Restless and think that's Christianity on me. Y'all with me? Please, my God, don't be watching Fear Factor and think that's Christianity. Y'all with me? But they see that and they think that's the man. See, people see our lives and they claim it as fake and false because there's no power there because there's nobody living it out for the gospel. When we are submitted to God, let me tell you what happens. Things start changing in your life. You start being a light and you don't even know you shining. Y'all with me? People see a difference. Your countenance changes. Your priorities change. And it don't happen at once. It's as you plug into the true vine, he will start moving in your life and changing you. But it takes you submitting to God. See, and Jesus wept over those people that were going through all those religious things, claiming that they know the true God, but their hearts were far from God because they were just going through those things. See, so many people just want fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. And hell is bad, no doubt. But separation from God and not hearing his voice is worse than that. To me, without the fire, separation from God is the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody in this room. And he wept over people that he knew that were going to be eternally separated from God that went like good little Jews to the, to the synagogue every week. He, 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 he poured his heart out. People so wrapped up in this system that they forgot the author. Guys, I wanna, I'm, I'm just going to be blunt. All right? I'm all about being blunt. Can I be blunt? We grew up. I grew up. I grew up in this era in which you say a prayer and you be baptized and we'll see you on the other side, son. I grew up in this era that I was taught that long as I said a prayer, and I, read, and, 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 I, and I got baptized, then there was nothing else that I had to do to, be, to follow Jesus, that I was, going to, I was going to bust through the pearly gates no matter how I lived on this earth, no matter what I did. I didn't have to pursue God. That's all I had to do. And here I am, going to church every Sunday, drinking like a fish on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? I'm, going, I'm doing life like every South, Amer South American, South Georgian would do. I mean, I'm a good guy. I do good things. I help people that are broke down. I mean, I give money to the man that's standing outside at, a, at Walmart begging. I give him, you know, $5. I mean, I, I do good things, right? I'm, I'm a good husband. I don't beat my wife much. I, I, don't, I don't do those things. I'm probably never beat my wife. <laughs> She'd kill me dead. Boom. Uh, I don't do that. I do all, I'm, I'm good, right? I go to church every Sunday, and I find myself sitting on a church pew thinking, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. If this is all there is, I can do this at the house. I find myself, you know what it was? It was the guy, it was God that was wooing me, that was seeking, and I began to seek after God. I find myself at the altar, and y'all may think I'm lying, but I bet you I prayed the sinner's prayer 50 times. Every Sunday I went to church, I got convicted, I go to the altar, I prayed the sinner's prayer, I get up, I'd be like, whew. Man, I'm right now. I go home, I'll be home, and Mr. Brennan be fussing, and in 15 minutes of being home, I done cracked me open a bubble while I was thinking, I got to get rid of this. Some of you are laughing, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> because you're sitting there looking at things from a different perspective. But when God came into my heart and truly saved me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, man, let me tell you something, everything changed because I was seeking after God. My life changed. I didn't become this super Christian. I just became a Christian because I was following after God. I took what he said, and I did it. Amen? You know what started happening to me is when I started forgiving people that didn't deserve it, I started having more joy, and I started loving people that didn't deserve to be loved, and I found myself happy. So many of you in this room, Man, y'all were horrible to be around. You know why? Because you got so many people that you don't that you were just pissed off at. You're just mad. You're mad at the world. You're, you're angry at everybody. When you go home, it pours over into your family. Because, but if you start forgiving people, you find yourself in a place where you didn't care what anybody did to you. You can walk in joy and have a smile on your face. But you know what? It's a struggle. It's hard because you have to stay submitted. 
what we think because I went to church. And maybe I cried a little bit on the altar. Oh, man, man, let's take my tears are on the altar, then I'm good. No, it's, the, it's not about the things that you do. It's the heart that you have for God. And Jesus is weeping over these people who were fake and not following him. He's weeping. And I think he looks ahead. He looks ahead and he's like, these people had this opportunity. These people had this extremely awesome opportunity. They got to see me in the flesh. They're going to be filled. Those who really follow me are going to be filled with the Spirit. But there's are people that are going to still turn their back on me. And they are going to face judgment. And he looked at the judgment that was facing ahead. And as you read that section, as we read that section about how the day is going to come when your enemies will build up an embankment against you and encircle you. He, he, he was prophesying. He was saying, look, either you're going to follow me or there's going to be judgment on you. And he's true to his word. Because let me tell you something. It was only 70 years later, the Romans, they would, be, they would come into Jerusalem again. They would siege it. They would destroy it. They would destroy it. It would tear it down. 70 years. Jesus is prophesying. Guys, we have grown up in a Christian way of thinking that just because I put a, a fish on my car and a church sticker on my tag on the back of my car and, 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 I, and I associate myself with a church and I go occasionally, then I'm good. And I, I've, I've been listening to some sermons. I hate listening to myself preach, but I listen to some sermons, and I'm telling Carrie today, you know what, the, the last probably couple months, probably last year, I, I just hit some certain ones. You know, it was a common theme. It was talking about salvation. And I'm like, God, why am I preaching about salvation all the time? Because that's what we've missed. We think true salvation is that we're going through these motions, but the true salvation is when I'm submitting my life to Christ, and I'm allowing Him to be my operating force. I'm not allowing Jeremy to make the decisions. I'm going to God. You know what I do now? I go to God. I'm like, Lord, Lord, show me what you want me to do. Lord God, this, the man, man, this job seems really good. God, give me your wisdom. When I find myself in a place where I am mad at the world, God, help me forgive this person. Show me how to love them like you do. I find myself in a place where my whole posture's changed because it's no longer about Jeremy anymore. It's become all about what Jesus wants me to do. Because what happened, my whole worldview has changed. Life is no longer about Jeremy anymore. It's all about the risen Savior. It's all about what Jesus has done. And my life is now submitted to him. So everything that I do, every decision I make, comes from the filter of God's word. See, that's what it means to be saved. You're saved from the damnation of hell because you have submitted your life into the hands of the Father. Not because you got wet one time and you made this meaningless prayer. It's because you truly gave your life to God. And you said, you know what? I'm going to follow you. Almost like what you said to your wife. Till death do us part. Not till when things get hard. Not till when, 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 when life don't work out my way. But God, I'm going to submit my life to you no matter what. I'm going to give it to you, everything. If we started putting the Bible as the filter in which we made every single decision, let me tell you something. Your priorities would change. Your relationships will be transformed. Your joy will be increased. Let me tell you something. You would find happiness that you've never had before. You would find peace. See, Jesus cried because he said if they just knew the peace that was there. There's peace in Jesus. And so many of us have this whole life, we're wrestling. We have this restlessness inside of us. We're seeking something. We want something to fulfill us. We're wanting this. We're wanting that. We're looking for all these things to, to fill this empty void. When he said, if you would just submit and rest in me, you would have the peace you're looking for. It's only in Jesus in which you will find that peace. And Palm Sunday is a symbol, and it's, it's, it's really just God showing us how far he would go. He's trying to not only just send Jesus, but he gave us signs of who Jesus was. He gave Jesus a heart that had compassion upon people. And he wept bitterly for the lostness and the blindness of the people who claimed to know Jesus. Their whole perspective was wrong. They thought he was coming to build an earthly kingdom. They thought he was coming to fix the corruption around them. They thought he was coming to make their lives better. But instead, he came as a humble king, laying down his life for the people. Instead, Jesus came to bridge the gap between humankind and God so that once again we could have this relationship, this glorious relationship, where we get to talk to the creator of everything, have communion with him, get to talk to him. 
Jesus came to show his authority over heaven and earth. Church, if we're following Jesus after our own, what makes us happy, and we're following Jesus after, after what mama taught me and grandma taught me, look, if we're not following Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of our faith, then nothing's going to change. We have to submit our lives to him. We have to be people who are devoted to him. And so many people, so many people, even myself, at a time in my life, was just like the people. Just saying, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Go, you're coming. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. But the moment it changes and he's not what I expect and things don't turn out like I want, then I turn and run. And it just proves the fakeness of their relationship. See, God wants us to be people who are really sold out, church. And as I close out, I just want to ask you, this is an awesome weekend. It's an awesome week. We call it Holy Week. Getting ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Man, it's a powerful thing. But you can't appreciate in my heart, I don't believe you can appreciate the, the sacrifice of Christ if you don't appreciate the heart of Christ. Because God's heart was broken over people like you and me. He was broken over those who were caught up in religion. He was broken for those who were skeptics. He was broken for those who, who had saw the religious motion around them but counted it as powerless and ineffective. He, he was broken for those who were just caught up in this religion so they were so self-righteous they didn't love anybody else but people like them. He was broken for those who were carrying prejudice. He was broken for those who were painting his glorious picture but it was all fake. As he was coming down to meet him. And church, I want to give you some confidence this morning. There's some comfort. If it would have been me or you sitting on that donkey, looking at those people, I would have turned that thing around and we would have rode the other direction. But God saw him, uh, he, God saw our sins and he saw our shortcomings. He saw our, how we doubted. He saw all those things. He saw how we even missed the mark. He saw all those things. And he said, you know what, they're still worth it. And I'm still going to give them an opportunity to come to know me. I don't care what you've done this morning. I don't care how much you've been in the church. But let me tell you a little secret that God taught me. That if your life is not driven by this word, then you will have no part of the kingdom of God. And we point, and I, I, I'm just going to be honest, where we grew up, where we, where we lived, is this watered-down, lukewarm Christianity where you can live like hell and die and go to heaven because I said a sinner's prayer and I did all these things. And there's going to be a many man and woman that goes bust hell wide open because they went to church every Sunday. God's not cared. God, your church attendance will reflect your heart because you want more of God. Church, Palm Sunday is a representation that this is true. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that was ever prophesied about him. Palm Sunday is a sign of saying, look, he gave us signs and wonders to prove that he is the Messiah. Palm Sunday is a sign of saying God had compassion over his people. The question I got you to ask you today is, are you the one he's been weeping over? Are you the one that he's like, they're missing it. They're missing it. They have a great life on earth right now, but they're missing it. Only those of us that are truly committed to God will last. The Bible says that he who makes it to the end shall inherit eternal life. That's why Paul talks about the walk as being like a race, looking to the end and making it. It's endurance. There's going to be bad stuff that happens. But if we, are you walking with this being your anchor? Is this what you see things through? So maybe today is the day that you really say, you know what, I've never really given my life to Jesus. I've never really submitted. He's not the center of my life. He is not the center. I know about him. I've heard about him. I've heard people preach about him. I've even prayed a prayer one time and prayed to him, but he's never been the center, like where I make all my decisions. He's not, he's not everything in my life. If he's not everything, then he's nothing. And I'm not trying to scare you and not you think, oh, I'm not saved. 
You know if, you're, if there's an aching in your heart. If you know that, hey, there's got to be more. You know that, like, man, I've been doing these things, but I, just, I find myself drifting. There's no hunger for God. If there's hunger for God, then there's no spirit in you. There's no Holy Spirit inside of you. So that's you today. You're like, hey, I really want to submit my life and give my life to Jesus. I really want to really give it to him today. I want you to just raise your hand so we can celebrate and we can pray with you. Anybody? Anybody want to really submit their life to God today? Say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. Palm Sunday. Great day to do it. Maybe I was too intense. I don't know. But let me tell you something. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. He loved you so much that he gave you all the signs and wonders to prove his deity to you. And he gave you his word so that you would have direction and know how to please him. The only reason that we don't experience the abundant life in Jesus isn't because God didn't give us every opportunity. It's because we choose to do life wrong. And maybe this Palm Sunday is the Palm Sunday or the Sunday in which you change that. You say, God, I'm going to stop driving and I'm going to let you do it. I'm, I'm going to stop saying I got all the answers. I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to submit my life to you today. Truly give my life to you today. Maybe I'm going to come here and pray. Maybe there's things that's been blocking you. Maybe there's things that's been holding you back. Maybe you realize that I have it. Like, I do trust Jesus. But there's some things in my life that I, that I just haven't given to him. Maybe you need to come and submit those things to him today. But the biggest thing about today is just being God's people. Amen? You will stand with me. If God's moving in your heart, you don't have to wait till I finish praying. You can come on to the altar. But if let's just do work. Do the, do the thing that God's told us to do. Just be obedient to God, right? Because He's working in our hearts. Y'all with me? Father God, we come to you right now. <clears throat> God, I just pray for uh, God, an awakening in our souls today. Lord Jesus, if you're looking down, <laughs> Heavenly Father, and you're grieved over our lifestyle, then God, convict us right now. God, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you would give us the boldness to step out and be, be, be filled with you, Lord. That you would give us the boldness to, to make the decision to be led by you and you alone. That, God, you would change the stronghold in our minds that makes us think that life is about us. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would change us. That God, I pray you would give us power. Make us understand that, that Lord, there's power when we, when, you allow, we allow us to change, when we allow you to change our lives. God, I want you to help us understand that there's power, God, when your church is on fire for you. Help us, God, see after you with all our hearts. God, change us today. Change us this Palm Sunday. In Jesus' name.